Welcome back to another week of what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Some serious stuff this week. The Ford government talking tough with education support workers. We'll look at the possible ramifications of what the government is thinking of doing. Inflation, high interest rates. We've been down this road before and come through it. We have some fun stuff, too. We meet members of the band The Human Drive, who won the recent Gusapalooza in Cookstown, and a Barry man making his name in the world of jiu-jitsu. But first... QP threatening to walk off the job in the contract dispute between education support workers and the province. Queen's Park looking to pass legislation to make such a strike illegal and impose a contract on those workers, all of which could change by the time you hear this. But what won't change is the impact the government's plan could have on labor in general. Barry 360's Ian McLennan spoke with Michelle McDonald, president of the Barry Labor Council, which represents 24 unions in the region. The obvious concerns are um, that Doug Ford keep his hands off workers' rights. Not just allow CUPE, but allow anyone who is in public service um, to be able to negotiate a free and fair collective agreement. And not to be, you know, imposing, like, as this legislation is indicating that, um, you know, they're going to legislate them and basically tell them, here's your contract. Do you believe it sets a dangerous precedent? Absolutely. For anyone who has a collective agreement to negotiate going forward, um, you know, obviously they have a majority, so this legislation is likely to pass and, and can certainly any time, I feel any time the government then feels that they don't want to negotiate or feel that they've done all that they can, um, then they will just impose contracts on people. It's not the first time, though, government has legislated um, on strikers. It's happened with other, you know, teachers and what have you. This, what makes this different? Different because, they, you know, when you've legislated before, we've had the ability, um, you know, as teacher unions and other unions, like even, you know, for example, police and firefighters, they don't have... Um, and uh, paramedics, they don't have the ability to strike, but they have the ability to go to arbitration to get a fair settlement. That, it, that step's being taken away. So when, when teachers were legislated before, there was an arbitration process. So you were able to go in front of an arbitrator and present your, your collective agreement or your... Um, your proposal and then the arbitrator would make a decision based on you know that information and also information from the government which made it you know fair or fairer. Barry Labor Council President Michelle McDonald in conversation with Ari and McLennan. Okay, let's lighten things up a bit. Let's meet some musicians. Josh and Nick from The Human Drive, who won the grand prize of the recent Gazapalooza in Cookstown. Rock 95's Rachel Detta caught up with the boys. First things first, Gazapalooza breakout sound. And you guys have new music coming in December. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, it's a song we've been working on like since before the pandemic. We were recording and kind of everything got put on its head because of the pandemic like many other people so uh yeah we're using some of the money from uh gossipalooza to finish off that song and then we're excited too because mid-november we're going to go in and record i think like five songs or try to get 
yeah. them going for the next for the new year. So uh, yeah, we're really excited cool. about that. So keep our ears yeah. peeled for an EP coming then. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna try to re- you know we'll see how we want to release it, but uh, definitely new music coming okay. in the new year for sure. I feel like yeah, people's yeah. attention spans are a little lower nowadays. So we're like maybe we'll do a single thing. Yeah, yeah. maybe compile it onto an EP mid. 2023 but absolutely in yeah. spotify oh, itunes yeah. everything yeah. Awesome. yeah 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 the whole shebang so before we jump to gusapalooza i want to talk about the band history where'd you guys get start when why who well me and nick actually uh started the band like it's got to be over 10 years ago yeah. we kind of like out of high school we went to high school together and kind of did like drum and bass and all that stuff just jammed and maybe a little bit of devil's lettuce and just you know, <laughs> it's a, helps with the inspiration oh, hundred times sure, yeah. <laughs> and then we yeah. started to like after a couple of years kind of wanted to move into something a little bit more serious so we uh, like tried jamming with some guitar players I play bass and, and sing so started adding some lyrics and stuff to uh, some of the songs we were jamming for years and tried out a couple guitar players and uh, nothing really sat right and then we uh, oddly enough put up like a Kijiji ad like, yeah. <laughs> and Adam uh, answered that and it, this seems so weird like we were talking about it actually with the people from Gusapalooza uh, yeah. we were down at the indie distributor at the 400 flea market uh, last Saturday and we were just saying like this Kijiji ad just seems so weird like you would just like yeah come jam dude and, yeah. like, it actually worked out so yeah. no one creepy showed up no one tried to yeah. murder you well, no. uh, yeah yeah nothing weird nothing weird yeah. the fact that he was around our age too was like oh cool very yeah. convenient yeah very nice um, now you guys did an interview with Canadian Beats and you said you want to mm. bring the balls back to rock and roll what is this <laughs> so was there a band or a sound that you had in mind when you said this or uh, uh, I, I don't think exactly. It's yeah. a couple years ago, too, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, that was a while ago. Yeah, I don't know. I just, we, uh, I think, you know, we come from hard rock and metal backgrounds and stuff, but uh, we like to hear a little bit of uh, oomph mm-hmm. to the, the music. I think that's not necessarily something that's, like, missing with today, but it's something that I think could maybe use uh, a little bit of a resurgence, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what was yeah. the music that you grew up on that Kyron moved, put you here and kind of brought you here? Oh, for, well, you know, my dad, he he was, you know, classic rock guy and everything, right? Like Guns yeah. and Roses, yeah. Led, Zo- Led yeah. Zeppelin. Def Leppard, yeah, pour Def some Le- sugar on me. Didn't yeah. realize what it meant until you got older. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Here I am rocking to ACDC's uh, Shook Me All Night Long when I'm seven years old thinking it's totally fine. And yeah. It's like, no, no, it's totally about sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, no. So, you know, my dad got me in, into that, but then uh, my brother started listening to heavier music and everything, like, you know, got into that new metal corn and Limp Bizkit and stuff. <laughs> Woodstock 99! Yeah. Oh, so dope. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for me, it was, uh, you know, mainly uh, my dad's influence and my brother's influence in music, uh-huh. uh, you know, that kind of got me going with it and then you know i started listening to you know deftones tool um uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that 90s grunge era alice in chains like they're you know uh-huh. they uh, they're the you know pioneers for what it got started for me right absolutely yeah. and tool's always been one of those like underground rock bands that oh, yeah. somehow everyone's heard and has always been inspired by right 100 yeah yeah they're just you know they you know they've created such a unique sound with what they had you know back in when they first came out with like 92 or whatever 91 oh, 92 so it just and they were like a little bit psychedelic too so it kind of like it always had like i remember just us growing up we were like in high school we were very into that band. smoking oh. pot 
Scott, listen oh, to Grateful Dead. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, just like yeah. just like learning every single note, every single <laughs> drum beat, and just like, this yeah. is the sickest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Gusapalooza, 70 bands. You only had to perform once to really make an impact. Can you maybe like point to what it was in that performance that you're like, okay, we sealed the deal. We got this. Uh, or you don't want to toot your own horn because you can't yeah. really think of it. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, For yeah. me, we were like really humbled to like obviously win and like surprised, you know, because they're, like there were some really amazing bands there. And uh, like you kind of said, it's not like tooting our horn, but like I don't know exactly what it was, but I'd like to think that uh, our sound as a band is, you know, everyone probably says this, but like, you know, unique to our own type of thing. And we're, we're trying not to like. When you listen to our band, be like, oh, this reminds me of this. Like, maybe there's elements in it, but, like, it's not, like, I'm not, I don't want to use the word rip-off, but, like, you know what I mean? Inspiration. Like, inspiration, mm-hmm. but yeah. still, like, kind of carving your own path type thing. Where oh, it's yeah. like, oh, this is, like, unique, but it's not so far out that, like, you can't really, you know. And I don't, yeah. know, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I like listening to a song and being like, okay, I can hear the Floyd influence here, yeah. the Elton influence here. And yeah. I really like hearing that because you can see where the band kind of came from, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Two and a half years since you guys performed, what was the rehearsal like or the preparation leading up to Gusapalooza? Like compiling your set list, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, we were just kind of uh, trying to be honest with ourselves because you only have like, you know, a certain amount of time and just trying to like, you know, maximize what our not getting so many songs in let's just try to like put on the best performance and you know uh, go with our strongest songs and uh, what we feel is the strongest and it's also because you haven't played in two and a half years we're trying to work on new music and kind of got stifled through the last two years so we're like play a couple songs in the EP but also we want to like start showcasing what we've been working on you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people might not, not necessarily know those songs but like we're trying to like <laughs> yeah. perform them for the first time the Human Drive have a date November 23rd at Sneaky D's in Toronto if you're so inclined. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. You can make it easy to connect by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through most podcast distributors. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, a Barry man shines on the jujitsu world stage and we talk inflation, how it happened, what we can do about it now and what we can do to prepare for it next time. Now this. It's cool to care. Big Brothers Big Sisters of North Simcoe presents Holiday Survivor. Sign up and support a great cause. Holiday Survivor is an elimination-style draw that runs from December 5th to 9th. Funds raise support youth mentoring programs in North Simcoe for youth aged 6 to 17. By supporting this event, you are helping to create a stronger, more resilient community of youth. Registration opens November 14th. Sign up your team of six for $40 a person at northsimco.bigbrothersbigsisters.ca. The Big Brothers Big Sisters of North Simcoe Holiday Survivor, sponsored by Avionics Design Incorporated. Cool to Care is brought to you by Mortgage Wellness, answering questions, solving problems, and maximizing your family's cash flow. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. Barry's Lee Kittaju has been involved in one way or another with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for several years, having competed in a number of tournaments and most recently his first professional match. Barry 360's MJ sat him down for a chat about the sport and his involvement. 
what exactly is jiu-jitsu? It's, it's not karate. It's not, yeah. you know, like what's the best way to describe it for anyone who's so, ever seen? Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it, it's, it's a grappling art form. There's, there's, there's no striking. It was um, brought to probably the attention of the masses about 20, 25, 30 years ago through through the, the, the Gracie family and, and the UFC. So um, it's, it's a martial art that's very good in self-defense that just allows you to isolate limbs and you know choke people uh but it's very good for a smaller individual to use technique and application of their body uh in order to escape like a particularly bad situation if you have a larger person on top of you you know you can um use the um dynamics of your body to you know get your hips away from his hips and you know get away from that from from that particular bad situation it's a very complex martial art but a simple one at best when, when when you break it down to its principles. If someone like wants to get started, obviously it's going to be a little bit intimidating, but yeah. how hard is it now for you as a little bit, you know, training in like, you know, these small garages and stuff, but is it more readily available now? For Absolutely. People? There are several gyms available in Barrie. Many of them offer um, free trials where you could go in, you could try a few classes out and you could see if it's for you. It's the, a common misconception. I know a lot of people think, well, okay, it looks really cool or whatever, but I'm not in good shape. I'm not the right body type. I'm not any of this. Does any of that hold true or like if anything you learn as you go? It, 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 yeah, that, that's uh, that's something I hear uh, a lot of people say when I'm trying to tell them, hey, you know, what, give it give it a shot. Oh, you know what? I'm going to run on the treadmill until I get in a little bit of better shape. Your body will adapt. Your body will figure it out. Just, 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 just jump in there. It's going to be, you know, the hardest cardiovascular experience if you're not used to it uh, your first time out. But the next time it's going to feel better and the next time it's going to feel better. And then you're going to take away whether it, it, it's techniques, whether you, you know, you make a new friend, whether the message that the coach is delivering has another effect on something else that's going on in your life. I, I guarantee you, if, if you spend an hour at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym, you're going to t- go away with something. All right. And how is it for like, I mean, there's all this talk about like um, fitness and mental health. How is it, how is this different from, I guess, other fitness programs and, and how does it help? I don't know, just like your mental health altogether. I think it helps your mental health because immediately off the bat, you're forced to be completely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're forced to be in a situation where you have to trust a a lot of the people around you and and you don't know what's going on. You're sort of incompetent in the sport and unaware of of, of the incompetence. I I don't know if that's the proper word to describe (laughs) it, but it's like like the, the, the trust test almost, right? So you're, you're trusting all these people around you to guide you in the right direction and give you, um, advice or, you know, training you through, through, through techniques to, uh, make yourself better at this sport, get yourself in, in, in better physical, physical condition. And then also you just, you'll end up making better decisions if you end up sticking with it. it it's, and what I mean by that is, um, so you go to a class on a Saturday morning, right? And, and you go for the first class and the Friday night before you had, you know, five or six beers, you ate a plate of chicken wings, and then you go to the, this jujitsu class that your friend convinces you to go to the next morning and you, you feel, you, you get through it. You're happy that you got through it. You feel, 
terrible <laughs> where you're like, oh, I got through that. You know what? I'm going to go back next weekend. And, uh, you know, then Friday before, I'm not going to drink five beer. I might eat a little bit lighter than a plate of chicken wings. Then you go back and you feel great. And then all of a sudden, that not drinking and not, you know, eating horrible on the Friday night, it just becomes a habit. And then you're in jujitsu and, and, and then you're, 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 you're me in a few years. You're just, <laughs> it's all you do when you don't have to be an adult. <laughs> Lee trains out of Submission Arts Academy in Barrie with Professor Spencer Lalonde. It was a plentiful Thanksgiving food drive for the Barrie Food Bank, and it needed to be with an influx of new people in need. Barrie 360's Will Conkin got caught up with Barrie Food Bank Executive Director Sharon Palmer. So you had a goal of raising 150,000 pounds of food and $150,000 during the Thanksgiving drive. Was that achieved? Yes, we were successful. So we achieved just, we just um, nudged over our pounds, so 156,000 pounds, and we were, de- we were able to exceed our uh, financial target, over 200,000 pounds, or $200,000. Um, was there anything surprising during this uh, drive? Was just a lot of people out uh, supporting and donating? So I, I think the, the nice thing that happened is uh, we, we sort of got back to broader community involvement. So in the past, we've had a a history of working with the service clubs, the schools and the churches in particular. And this was the first time um, in a couple of years that we've been able to broadly engage those groups and and have their support, again, at the same levels that we had seen, you know, pre-pandemic. And it was wonderful to see the schools and the churches um, in particular, service clubs have they've all they've continued to support us through the pandemic, um, but um, more food drives and and just really being there to to um, to support us again. So that was lovely to see. Coming out of the pandemic, do you think everyone was kind of not in a better spirit, but ready to get back to maybe regular things to get back to donating more? Yes, I think so, and and. Um, you know, we've been lucky in this community to have groups that will go out and do um, do things for us. So, I'll, you know, give you an example, like the Run for Barry. Uh, that was a new fundraiser that happened um, in the community, had never been done before, was pulled together really quickly, and it was a definite success. So that was really lovely to see, you know, just um, just the community coming up with new ideas and ways to to support us and really appreciated that. The number of households served at the food bank, uh, I think, was up a fair bit over last year for September. Um, Why do you think that was? So I think that there's kind of, you know, a few factors playing into that. So um, what we're seeing more of is people who are employed, um, particularly in minimum wages or gig economy, who are not able to uh, meet their bills, um, with the income that they're making. So that's a new group that is um, perhaps a change from the past uh, with more uh, employed people looking for support uh, for food. Um, we see more students now. Uh, and, of course, the, the trend for people on social assistance um, has been one that's been around for a while now, but it continues to be a concern. Um, seniors, people on um on terror disability um, support payments um, and OW, uh, just not able to keep up with the cost of living on the social assistance that they're receiving. Do you know how um, October looked year over? Uh, year over year for October, in terms of the um, the number of individuals, it's over a hundred percent. 
uh, increase in terms of number of individuals, about 3,300 people, very similar to our September numbers, in fact. We're, we were seeing, you know, um, 80, 90, 100 people in a day, and just in terms of the volume of, of um, people coming through the door and the level of support that we have to have from a volunteer perspective, um, you know, we're definitely looking to have extra people on on our shifts to, to be able to keep up. With the increase year over, are services like the food bank more important than ever? For sure. I mean, if, if we weren't there for, for some of these people, it would be a very desperate situation. Um, you know, and, and I, I think... If I think about one group that is, um, you know, the, the ones that are coming every month, it's people who are on um, ODSP, for example. Um, they don't have a lot of other alternatives, right, uh, in, in many cases. And so we are their sole source of food for many of those people. So that's a definite uh, concern is more and more of those people are relying on the food bank. How do we end the stigma and say it's all right to use the food bank when needed? Um, well, I think it's just about recognizing that, um, you know, everyone has ups and downs in their life and um, that, you know, that we are a service that's here for those times when you need when you need us. And when people come and, and actually experience the food bank, I think they're often very pleasantly surprised at how um, welcoming we are, how we try to help everybody out with their special needs um, and just... Uh, you know, it's it's maybe what wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And we, we have some wonderful volunteers, what can I tell you, that really try to make it um, a good experience uh, as, uh, for everyone who comes in our door. As successful as the Thanksgiving food drive was, help is always needed. Food donations can be dropped off at most grocery stores or at the food bank on Ann Street. Cash donations can be made at barryfoodbank.org. Inflation, a big part of the reason so many are relying on the food bank, but as bad as it seems, it's been worse, much worse. Some of us remember the late 70s, early 80s, when inflation and mortgage rates were running around 20%. Don't want to diminish the impact it's having this time around, but do want to offer reassurances. Backed up by Sandra Ramos of IG Wealth Management in Barrie, who has been through this before, and keeps a watchful eye on it. We are in a inflationary period again not like we haven't been here before but i don't think uh, a lot of people either remember the last few times we've been there or uh, they weren't around for that so let's talk about that for a minute because as daunting as this seems right now we're going to get out of this eventually yes we definitely will get out of it eventually i think inflation is something that is good for the markets in in some ways, for sure. It's just the nervousness about how it's going to affect finances. Of course, home finances are the biggest thing that we're talking about. The cost of goods going up, groceries, gasoline, even your property taxes going up. Canadians are fighting this inflationary battle from all fronts. And I think as a financial planner, it's a very good time for people to learn how budgeting can be so important. During the pandemic, of course, people were getting extra money from the government. And, you know, instead of maybe saving this money for a rainy day, they were spending it. Now they have to take stock what they've been doing 
and sort of relook at their budget and planning. As we come out of that that inflationary period in the 80s, things got very good. People were getting raises. There was lots of money to be spent. People were getting jobs. We were living the good life and maybe we were living it a little too well. Yeah, I think eventually it always catches up to you and either positive or the negative. But I think overall, if the government can get inflation under control, which I'm sure they will, it just takes some time, we'll get back to probably more normalized growth, which everybody wants to get to. And having a little bit more money in your wages or or having taken stock of your family budget and maybe being a little bit more critical of how you're spending your money is never a bad idea. How did we get to this point? Everybody's pointing a finger in in different directions. They're pointing at the government in Ottawa. They're pointing at the pandemic. They're pointing at OPEC. They're pointing here. They're pointing there. Is there any one thing that that brought us to this moment? I don't think there is one thing. I think it is multidimensional. And I think if you look at history... When we've gone through inflationary times, there's always a different catalyst that starts it off. This situation is very complex, and certainly um, I can't speak to um, some of the, you know, microanalytics behind it. But I would say that, you know, people just not having a lot of care over their spending is certainly not helping matters. But the other is just the amount of money that's gone into the system. And, of course, the pandemic, all these, all the cash that went into the market, Really, what's happening is we're having a huge reset. You know, the real estate market was overinflated. Stock market was overinflated. Uh, you know, wage growth was getting overinflated. The, you know, the job market was crazy. So I think we need this reset to, you know, firm our foundation so that we can grow further in the market and the economy. 1981, the Bank of Canada rate was 20%. I remember looking at a house. I was, I think, three years into this broadcasting career at that point. I was looking at a house in London, Ontario, and uh, the mortgage rates were 17%. Gasoline was sky high for that period of time, not anywhere near what the price is now. But as I said earlier... We came out of that. We're still here. There were some boom times after that, and maybe we're, we were just a little bit careless with all of that, and we hit another recessionary period, and a couple more since then. Not quite as severe as 1981, not quite as severe as this now, but we, we seem to go in cycles. Markets always run in cycles. Economy runs in cycles. You can't really compare what's happening now with any other decade that we've gone through. It's always been a different situation. And I think primarily if people understand that when it's bad, it's not going to stay bad. And when it's good, it's not going to stay good. The, the truth is we run in uh, both bull markets, bear markets, inflationary times, deflationary times. And just being a good planner with your finances and being ready for a rainy day, this sort of exemplifies that. Let's talk about that then. How we get through this period, however much longer that takes, first of all, and then after that, how do we prepare and be ready for the next time? I know a lot of people are looking uh, to their financial advisors and uh, their financial companies to give them some kind of a forecast on when this is going to be over, first and foremost. And the truth is, you can't forecast. And most forecasts are usually wrong. I think in order to get through this period of time, again, it comes back to just good old-fashioned financial planning and budgeting and, and just being very careful where you're spending money and save where you can. And and I think just, you know, adjusting your habits perhaps to be a little bit more fiscally frugal and, you know, and to prepare for the next time because there will be a next time. I mean, this will pass and we'll have a few years of good growth and we'll forget all about this. It'll all be a bad memory. And to be prepared for that next time when it comes. 
perhaps having a little more in savings, um, you know, utilizing your tax-free savings account, making sure you're doing your RSPs where they're applicable, having your financial planning in place. That's the way that you're prepared for the next time. And perhaps the next time people won't be as frightened because they'll have had this experience. I think that's that's one of the keys here right now is that a lot of people haven't been through anything this severe before, and they're not sure how to handle it. They're not sure how to change their habits because they're so used to being able to just do whatever they wanted to do, where I remember in 1980, 81, there was a lot of coupon clipping going on, and uh, I was reining things in. We have to take this all in stride. We have to make some changes, and it's going to be more difficult for some than for others, but we are going to pull through this. Yeah, I think the one thing to remember is there's a whole generation of people that have no experience with higher interest rates. Um, and these are the same generation now that have gotten into, you know, million-dollar mortgages at very low interest rates. And it's something that we have experienced at our age of understanding what it's like to have an 11% car loan or understanding what it's like to have a 14% mortgage. You know, not having the experience, um, I think it's important to speak to your parents about what did they do when things were tough in the 80s and the 90s. You know, speaking to peers maybe that have a little bit more financial planning experience. Speak to your professionals. Speak to your uh, financial advisor. Look for tips and, and tricks to getting through this, I think, is really important. There's lots on the Internet now that's uh, easy to access for budgeting and, and setting a cash flow analysis out and you know, just talk to your parents. They'll tell you what it was like and what they did. When I first contacted you, you wrote back and your first uh, line was, it's never as good as we'd like it to be, but it's never as bad as we think. It's very true. And I think, um, you know, public sentiment has a lot to do with where we are, and where we're going to, because, you know, if you, everybody felt like it was, you know, the end of days and they're not going to spend money and they're going to stay in their homes, then that's going to have an automatic reaction in consumer spending. I think if people focus on what they can control, because there's a lot right now we can't control. And, you know, there's all obviously other things external happening with the war in Ukraine and a lot of geopolitical pressures. And you just have to watch what's happening right now in Europe. You know, it's there's things we just can't do anything about. So we have to focus on what we can do and where we can start with that is our own personal finances and make sure our house is in order. Sometimes people feel very overwhelmed. They have a lot of credit card debt. They have a line of credit. They have a car loan. They have a mortgage. And now they're maybe even laid off right now. You know, where do they start? What do they do? There are tools out there in the form of, you know, counseling for debt. Um, There are financial advisors that work specifically with debt consolidation and, and helping you get back on track. Because without having your debt under control, there really is no room for progression. So, key things here, rein things in as best you can now. Be very, very careful with your spending moving forward. As you said, talk to somebody who's been there, a parent, a friend, uh, an aunt, an uncle, a financial advisor, somebody who knows what's gone on before and what is likely to happen, and then plan for the next phase, which will come. Absolutely. That's exactly what you need to do. Sandra Ramos is an executive financial consultant with IG Wealth Management in Barrie. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, Will, MJ, and Rachel for their contributions, Matt Ladder for piecing it all together for us, and you for giving it a listen. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about. Rate it, review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. 
I'm Dan Blakely, hoping you'll join us again next week.